What is God doing? What is God doing? You ever wonder that? What is, what is he up to? God, God, what are you up to? Can we know that? Uh, what are we supposed to do with that? Uh, what is God doing? I want to I be honest with you this morning. Sometimes I don't get it. As I go through the things of life, as I watch things as they unfold, I don't understand some things. Uh, sometimes, especially in the day that we're living in, it seems that everything is out of control, that everything seems weird and crazy. And I begin to wonder where I fit into that. And sometimes I wonder, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? Well, I want to start off this morning, and I want you to hear me, and I want you to, to understand this, friend. Uh, here is the reality. Understand this. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God is in control, and in his grace to us and in his encouragement for us, he has told us, and in his word, he is telling us what he is doing. And let me be very specific with you this morning. In this study that we are in, we are going to the book of Revelation. In the study that we are in today, God is telling us what has happened, what is happening, and more than that, he is telling us what is about to happen. Now, the reason for that is so that we will be ready, so that we will not be unaware, and so that we will be obedient and useful in the days of our lives. And so understand, in our study, this study, as we go through this book, God is telling us what he is doing. And so there becomes a greater question, and that is this, will we listen? And I want to tell you, that's the question of the day that we're living in. That's the question of the church that we exist in. Will we listen to what God is saying, what God has said? Will we take it in? Will we be shaped by it? And will we move forward and act upon it? Today we continue our movement through the revelation of Jesus Christ as given to John. Today we pick up again in the eighth chapter. Our message this morning is entitled, not without warning, not without warning. This morning we're in Revelation chapter 8. We're going to look at the entirety of the chapter, uh, all of the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 13. Not without warning. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Revelation chapter 8, beginning in the first verse, God's Word says this, When the Lamb broke the seventh seal... There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him, so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire, the fire of the altar, and he threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. The first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. 
the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star was, is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun and a third of the moon and a third of the stars were struck, so that a third of them would be darkened and the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. Verse 13, Then I looked, and I heard an angel flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet and of the three angels who are about to sound. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today, we are thankful for you. We're thankful for a Savior. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin and the work of Christ and the grace of God given to us in faith. Lord, I'm thankful for your word today, and I, I pray that we would uh, take it in, that we would hear it. I pray, Lord, that it would be a supernatural event. I pray that you would speak to our, to our minds, to our hearts. I, I pray that we would be built up as a people today. I pray that we would be encouraged. Lord, I pray if need be that we would be convicted. I pray for your church. Uh, the Lord, that we would be blessed in this endeavor. You say that we will. Lord, I pray for some and maybe many that will hear this message, maybe in this room, maybe in some other way, some other place, that do not know Jesus as Savior. Lord, I pray that any hindrance will be removed, any barrier to their hearing will be removed, and I pray that today in the hearing of a risen Savior of good news, that today they might be saved. Lord, we come and we tell you we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. We submit this to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. To set the context today, Today we are in a section where Jesus, the Lamb, has been opening the seals of a scroll that was given to him by God the Father seated on his throne. Now so far as we've progressed through our study, uh, he has opened and John has revealed to us the events of the first six seals. After the opening of the sixth seal, there has been a pause or there has been an interlude, that's what we looked at last week, and we were told of the sealing of the 144,000 Jews. Now, we have seen in that interlude also another great scene of heavenly worship. Now, I want to say I think it is interesting uh, with all that we are seeing, and really it's, it's, it's awesome the things that we're seeing, the, the truth that we're finding, that we're hearing. It's so much that we're seeing, but I think that it is interesting with all that we are seeing we keep seeing the worship of heaven. And I just want to tell you, one of the great impacts of this study to me is that it is clear the proper response to our God is deep, true worship. And I'll just tell you, that is the truth, I believe, that it is impossible to know our God, it is impossible to know our Lord God, and not respond in worship. Today we wonder uh, why do folks have such a hard time in worship? Why is it such a hard thing to get folks to worship? 
I want to tell you, I truly believe when you know our God, when you see our Savior God, I think the natural thing is that you would respond in worship. Well, that's exactly what we keep seeing in heaven. They are worshiping in heaven. Today, after this break, this interlude in the seventh chapter, as we begin the eighth chapter, Jesus starts back with the opening of the seventh seal. Understand, this is the seventh and last seal on the scroll. So that's where we start back this morning. I'm going to begin in chapter 8, verse 1. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. As Jesus the Lamb breaks the last seal, uh, with all that is going on and all that has been described to us, there really is an unexpected happening. Uh, The Bible says as he opens that seventh seal, there is silence in heaven for about, the Bible says, half an hour. Now, why, why is that interesting? In the Bible, go all the way through the Old Testament, go through the New Testament as well. Anytime you have the description of the throne room, there is always praise going on. And that's the thing about heaven. Uh, as we've looked at our study, the angels are praising God. The redeemed are praising God. The 24 elders are praising God. Uh, there's somebody that keeps yelling out, Amen. Uh, as they're praising God. That is the thing about heaven. Well, now, as the seventh seal is open, it is quiet in heaven. There is total overwhelming silence in heaven. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to why. Uh, I found five or six possible reasons why. And there's folks that have written entire books about why there was silence in heaven for that 30 minutes. There's a lot of theories about that. I'll just tell you, I'm not sure. But here is what I know. For whatever reason, there is this time of silence in heaven. And there is a deep sense of awe in heaven before the action resumes. And so the Bible says, it is silent. Be sure of this. Today, we had better not lose our awe of God. Today, you you watch our world today. Satan and the world seeks to belittle God today. Satan and the world, they seek to make God common today, to make him small today. The word for profane actually means, literally means, to make normal or to bring down. And as we go through our lives today, notice Satan and the world, they try to steal away from us our awe of God. We go through life and the world says, well, there may be a God, there may not be a God. If there's a God, he doesn't have much power. The world tries to belittle our God. Well, today I want to remind us, the God of heaven, the Lamb of heaven who was slain and who has overcome, the God to whom the great multitude is assembled in chapter 7, the God who is worthy of all praise, the one to whom the angels sing, holy, 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 he is our God. To him belongs salvation. The Bible says to him belongs all power and glory. Listen, may we never lose all 
of our God. This is our God. Verse 1 again, when the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Verse 2. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. In verse 2, John further describes the scene. Now, the Lamb breaks the last seal. There is silence in heaven. And then it says, he sees the seven angels who stand before God. Now, I want you to notice something here. Notice the article, the. Uh, it is there. It is actually there in the original language. And so understand, it refers to a specific bunch of angels. It is these seven angels, the seven angels. There are seven angels who stand or who are in the presence of God. Evidently, that's who they are. They are the seven angels who stand in the presence of God. That's who they are. Evidently, that is what they do. They stand in the presence of God. Now, I believe we may know the name of one of them. In Luke chapter 1, verse 19, it says, And the angel answered, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. Well, here John sees these seven, and he sees there are seven trumpets given to these specific seven angels. There are seven angels, now they have seven trumpets. In the Bible, trumpets are used to call worship together. They were used to start the religious festivals. They were also used to announce or to declare something. Now, they were also used to warn or to lead or to move an army. And so here we find in the second verse, there are these seven specific angels, and they have now seven trumpets. Verse 3, another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him, so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. All right, verse 3 says, another angel came. There are some, in fact, I think there are probably many, who believe this angel is Jesus. And they think it is referring here to Jesus. I do not believe that is the case. I do not believe that is what it's referring to here. Uh, notice in the Revelation, we find references to Jesus are very clear. Uh, they are not ambiguous. He is the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. Uh, he is the faithful one. He is the living one. And so the references to Jesus are not ambiguous. They are very clear. I believe this is in addition to the seven angels, just what it actually says. It is a another angel. And so there are seven angels. They have the seven trumpets. And now there is another angel. Now the Bible says this angel came to the altar holding a golden censer. Really this is a golden bowl or really most literally it is a fire pan that was used in temple worship. And so it is a golden fire pan. The Bible says to this angel much incense was given so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, 
which was before the throne. Now I want to remind you here, uh, remember back to chapter 5, verse 8, we learned that week uh, that the prayers of the saints are kept in bowls. That's what we saw that week, as they are pleasing to God. These prayers, they bring worship to God. Verse 3 again, Another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which is before the throne. All right, the fourth verse. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Now, I want you to see what is happening, what is transpiring to this point. This is a great act of worship before God. Uh, the incense, the smoke, and the prayers are put in the fire pan by the angel, and they go up before God. I, I'm going to keep going, and we're going to come back and look at that. Look at verse 5. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth, and there, were, and there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Verse 5 says, then after that, and so the incense and the prayers of the saints go up before God, and then after that, the angel again took that bowl, took the golden fire pan, the Bible says, and he fills it with the coals of the altar, but now he throws it down to the earth. It says that thunder begins to rumble, flashes of lightning fill the sky, and there is an earthquake. I want you to see this. God's judgment is unleashed. Now stay with me, follow with me. Remember in chapter 6, the prayers of the martyrs, and remember in chapter 6, verse 10, they are praying, how long, O Lord? Remember that? They are seeking God's justice. How, how long, O Lord, before you will serve justice on the earth? How long, O Lord? Well, I want you to see this. In the opening of the seventh seal, God is answering their prayer. Right, I want to do something right here, uh, and it fits, and it is right, but it's kind of a side note right here. And so uh, I'm going to go a different direction for a second. Yeah, I believe it does fit, and it's the right thing to do. Here's a question for you today. Why pray? Why pray? You ever, you ever, and I don't think we'd probably ever say this out loud, but you ever wonder why we should pray? Does it matter if we pray? Isn't God going to do what he's going to do anyway? Isn't God going to do the right thing anyway? Uh, doesn't he have perfect wisdom uh, anyway? What do I know? What do I need to ask him for? He has perfect wisdom. Do, do you ever think, why, why would I ever pray? Or do you ever say, why pray? I've been praying. Why pray? I haven't seen the answer that I have sought for. It doesn't seem to help anything. Or I've been praying about this thing for many years, and there doesn't seem to be a change in that thing. Have you ever asked the question in your mind, why pray? I want to show you four things that we see right here. Four things that we're going to lift out of this right here. Why pray? The first reason is this. Your prayers are known to God. Your prayers are known to God. Now listen, that's, that's crazy. 
And we we might get used to saying that, but that's crazy. Of all the people on the earth, of all the people that have ever been on the earth, in all the places that they might be, in all the great cities right now, of all of the times, your prayer from your bed, your prayer from your closet, your prayer from your shower as the water runs over you, your prayer that is uttered under your breath, your prayer is known to God. God knows your prayer. That's an awesome thing. Why would you ever pray? Because the God of all things knows your prayer. Second thing, your prayer matters to God. Why would you pray? Your prayer matters to God. He not only knows that. Here's what we see. He collects it. He he collects it in a bowl. Uh, In heaven, he collects your prayers. They matter to God. Him. I remember years ago, and it's funny, uh, what I think was not that long ago all of a sudden starts to become a long time ago. Um, it, w- it was years ago, there was a crazy guy, uh, $100 million, I think is what he made. He was a TV uh, evangelist, they say. He's really a TV false prophet. And his name was Robert Tilton. Y'all remember Robert Tilton? Uh, he was out of Dallas, Texas, and he, he had a big TV show. And, and he said, and he said it a lot, if you would send him a prayer request, and then he said a little money would help, if you'll send a little money with it, uh, that he would pray personally for you. And that's, that's what he said. If you'll, and I think he, he's talked a bunch of crazy stuff, but if you'll send him your prayer, and if, man, if you'll throw in a 20 or a 100, he will pray for you. Do you remember, I was watching 2020, and they had a special on him. And they went out back behind the TV studio in Dallas, Texas, and they found two or three dumpsters leveled over with those prayer requests. He didn't keep those prayer requests. He didn't didn't pray over those prayer requests. He took them out to the dumpster. Well, I want to tell you, the creator of God of all things, your prayer matters to him. Third thing is this, and listen to this one. Your prayers are pleasing to him. Your prayers are pleasing to him. Your prayers, they worship him. That's what the Bible's telling us here. Your prayers, he delights in them. And just like the old burnt offerings that went up, just like the incense that would burn, your prayer blesses God. When you endeavor to pray, your prayer praises God. When you pray, listen to this, it's crazy, your prayers please God. Now that's a wild thing. You want to worship God? You want to honor God? The Bible says your prayers please Him. When we pray, you're saying He is worthy. You're saying He is my answer. You're turning to Him for help. He is your wisdom. He is your strength. And so when you pray, you are pleasing to God. Ever since a couple weeks ago when I preached on that fifth and sixth chapter, and I read that He keeps the the prayers of the saints in a bowl, I've decided, you know what, I want to fill up a bowl. I don't know how big a bowl is, and I don't know if you can fill up a bowl, but I've decided he is worthy, and Dad, I'm going to try and fill up a bowl. It pleases God when we pray. Why would we pray? Listen, because it pleases God. And the fourth thing is this, and I want you to hear this one. The fourth thing is this, why I pray? It's because, listen to this, your prayers are effective. Do you know the Bible tells us that? The prayers of a righteous man, they availeth much. They are effective. 
Your prayers are effective. Now, I want you to notice this. They prayed in chapter 6, but the answer wasn't immediate. How long, oh Lord? They wanted it right then. They prayed in chapter 6, but the answer wasn't what they thought was best. They thought it should look like this. They should, thought it should look like at this time. And so the, the answer wasn't immediate. The, the answer wasn't what they thought best. But here's what we notice in this account. It was in his time, which is perfect time. It is in his plan, which will always be a perfect plan. He had not forgotten their prayers. He answers their prayers. Listen to me, friend. Your prayers are effective. Your prayers are effective. Man, we ought to be praying. We ought to be praying. How are we not praying more as an individual? How are we not praying more as a church, as a people? All right, this sermon's going to get too long. We better go back to it. All right, back to verse 6. That's not even the sermon we just looked at. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. Now, I want you to think about these pictures. As we read them, I want you to consider what is being said here. I want you to actually think about these pictures. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. Verse 7, the first sounded. Here he steps up and he sounds the horn. And there came hell and fire mixed with blood. And they were thrown down to the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up. And a third of the trees were burned up. And all the green grass was burned up. Hell and fire and blood, they pelt the earth a third of the earth is burned up. A third of the trees, all the green grass. Now, let me tell you this. As, as you study the book of Revelation, um, right here, people start to try to figure out uh, these events. And, and folks say, well, there's a volcano and it erupts. And that's, that's the explanation for this. Others say, well, there's a nuclear bomb that blasts. And that's the description of this event. I'm going to tell you something. You can go crazy trying to figure out this, but here's what I, I want you to see. These are not normal occurrences. These are not natural occurrences. Verse 8. The second angel sounded as something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. Verse 9. And a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Now understand it's not a burning mountain, but it says it was like a mountain. And so it is a huge mountainous ball of fire and it is dropped into the sea. Uh, when that happens, a third of the sea becomes as blood. A third of the living things that are in the sea, they die. And a third of the ships are then destroyed. Verse 10, the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. It falls on the sources of fresh water, of the rivers and the springs. Verse 11. The name of the star is called Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many died from the waters because they were made bitter. So understand the star has a name, Wormwood, uh, that name is found only one time in the New Testament. That is here. Uh, it is found two times in the Old Testament. Uh, it is a bitter, bitter plant. Uh, the impact is the water uh, is poisoned. The water is po polluted or becomes foul. Now, the Bible says because of this, 
many men died for a lack of fresh water. Now, I want you to imagine that for a second. Imagine in your situation, leaving this church uh, this afternoon or maybe in the middle of next week, uh, but in, the, in, 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 your, in your current situation, uh, you need fresh water. And, and you know what? You go and your faucet doesn't have fresh water and you can't find any fresh water. And so you go out to the rivers and there's no fresh water. And you go out to the lake and there's no fresh water. You go out to the streams and there's no fresh water. And so you know what? I'll go to the wells. If I can't find in those places, I know where a well is. And you go to the well and you draw up the water and there's no fresh water. And as your thirst begins to grow, you begin to panic and you're looking around and maybe I'll go over there. There's a well over there and you pull the water up and there's no fresh water. And you perish for a lack of fresh water. Verse 12. The fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun and a third of the moon and a third of the stars were struck so that a third of them would be darkened and the day would not shine for a third of it. And the night in the same way. The fourth trumpet sounds in verse 12. It says, the sun and the moon and the stars are touched, are struck. A third of them are darkened. Here's what it says, the result of that. A third of the day that is now light becomes dark. And so the day is shortened. A third of the day is now black. It says the third of the night is even blacker than it had been. Moving to verse 13. And then I looked. And I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet and of the three angels who are about to sound. Then I looked and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Verse 13 starts off and it says, and then I looked, it translates, as I watched. And so John continues to watch the scene unfold and he says, as I watched, I heard an eagle. This is a strong bird of prey. And he was flying in mid-heaven. Now, understand it's not so high that you can't see it, that you can't make it out. It's not so low that it could be overlooked, but it is there in the middle of the sky. When you look up, you're going to see it there in the middle of the sky. And he says, I hear the eagle, and the eagle is shouting, Woe, woe, woe. The word woe translates, it means grief, anguish, dread. I don't know if you've ever been caught in a situation where grief just overtakes you, dread just fills you. Maybe it's a diagnosis you got, maybe it's some trouble you got in. Maybe it's a situation you're going to have a hard time getting out of, but it, it just begins to consume you. Oh, the, the anguish and the pain and the dread. It says, woe to those who are on the earth because of the trumpet of the angels, the three angels who are about to sound. I want you to see that. The eagle is preaching anguish, not because all that has happened, not because of the first four trumpets is terrible as it has been, but the, the, the eagle is preaching anguish and woe 
because of what's about to come. All this has happened. That's not the, the concern. The concern is what's about to happen. The sermon of the eagle is the worst is ahead. Pain and sorrow and anguish, the worst is ahead. Woe to those on the earth. Do you hear the warning? The worst is ahead is what is preached. We're going to stop right there today. The ninth chapter is the continuation of of this. Uh, We're going to start back there next week. Uh, the, The question is this. If God says, are you listening? If God says, this is what is coming for unbelievers. If God says, this is the sure future. And it's just ahead. Remember the letter when we got to the first chapter said, for the time is near. If God said this is what is about to happen and the time is near, and if we have heard that, and if we have seen that, and if we understand any of it at all, here's the question, how are we today unmoved? How today are we unaffected? How is it, and I don't understand this, how is it that we get up in the morning and, and we go through our day and we move through our day and we do the things that we want to do and we chase the agendas that we think are important and we go through the day and we have the message of God that there is a coming judgment of God against those who have not put their faith in Christ and we are so unmoved that we do nothing about it. Listen to me. Here's the message. Time is short. That's what the Bible says. Judgment is coming. That's what the Bible says. And I want to tell you, the good news stands. We have good news. God's grace is offered in these days. If you'll believe in Jesus, you shall be saved. The question is, how are we so unmoved? I'm going to tell you the saddest thing and perhaps the dumbest thing is to know what God is doing. Listen, we know what he's doing. And to know what he has said, this is his word. And to be so utterly unmoved as to do nothing about it. Well, you don't understand, I'm raising kids right now. Well, you don't understand, I'm trying to get a retirement built up right now. Well, you don't understand, I got so many things pulling me in so many different directions. Well, you don't understand, my health's not the greatest. And we get so bogged down, so concerned with the things that will not matter that we're unmoved about the things that God has said are coming. God, forgive us. God, help us. Let's pray. During Father, we come, and I'm thankful for your message. I'm thankful for your truth. And as I hear it, Lord, I, I pray for those that do not know Christ. And I pray in the hearing of the gospel that they would turn to you and receive you in faith. But, Lord, I pray that I would not be unmoved. And I pray, Lord, that I would tell my lost friends and my lost family members, those I don't know, some I don't even like, Lord, I I would not hold the good news to myself that we would, that I would, tell them the good news of a risen Savior. Lord, I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful that you're patient and kind, desiring that none should perish. But I pray, Lord, as we hear this warning, as we as we hear this eagle saying the worst is coming, I pray, Lord, that we'd be ambassadors saying the, the truth has come. There's joy and peace and forgiveness in our Savior, Jesus. Lord, help us in that. Lord, I pray as we conclude this service that we take this to heart. I pray that we're stirred into action. I pray for some that are hearing that have heard 
that do not know you. I pray that today, this very hour, that any hindrance to be removed today will be the day of their salvation. Saved from the terrible judgment of God towards sin. Delivered to, to peace and to joy and to the righteousness of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you move in this time of invitation that you work in it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. I want to tell you, I, I say it a lot, but I, I believe it's truly the most important part of our day. Uh, we're going to preach the good news. We're going to preach the gospel, but we preach it for a decision. And so I, as we wrap up today, I, I want to remind us of something. We hear that, and that's heavy. But I want to remind us of something, and sometimes we forget it. Listen to me very carefully. We have good news. Do you know that? We have good news. We have a risen Savior, Jesus. He's paid for my sin. He's paid for your sin. We have good news. We watch the news. We see all this crud, all this garbage going on. You know what? Our anchor holds today. Our foundation endures today. It has not crumbled. We have good news in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you are here and you've never trusted Jesus, let me tell you the good news of the gospel. Not of any work that you'd ever muster up, not of anything that you'd ever do, but if you'll turn to Jesus and say, you know what, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I know I sinned. And I know I've earned a punishment in that sin. If you'll turn to Jesus, you know what he'll do? He'll save you right now. Not in church membership, not in some list of things we got to check off, not of impressing somebody somewhere, but in faith in Christ. If you'll turn to him right now, he'll save you right now. That's the good news of the gospel. If you've never done that, do it right now. If you have questions about it, you come. Let's look at God's word and let's settle it today. Don't walk out of here without it settled today. If you're here and you've trusted Christ but never fought a believer's baptism, the Bible says in, in obedience to Christ that we ought to be marked, uh, not as part of our salvation, but as a testimony to it. You know what? I'm a follower of Christ, and I, I want to stand, and I want the world to know I'm not ashamed of his gospel. So maybe you're here and saying, you know what? I followed Christ, and maybe it was recently, maybe it was further back, but you want to be baptized to show the world what we believe of our Savior Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home. You've prayed about it. And I want to I say it, if you hadn't prayed about it and God hadn't led you here, don't you dare come here. But if God has led you here, I want to tell you, we'll take up his gospel and we'll preach it everywhere we can go. We'll turn every corner and we'll declare there's good news in Jesus. And if God has led you here, you come and together we'll serve for his glory, for his name's sake. Maybe this morning I don't even know what you're dealing with. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar and nothing is too big, nothing is too small. Maybe you want to come pray here with me. Uh, as we stand and sing, if God is speaking to you, if he's spoken to you, uh, you come and I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here.